Hey everyone, and welcome to the Nerd Room, where we talk all things comics and movies. This is episode number 36, where we're discussing our top five favorite directors. I'm your host, Tim. I'm Sanjay. I'm Troy. So, uh, Tim, happy birthday. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Yeah, happy belated. Yeah, we have a... We, okay, so I have a question for you. So if you could choose one gift for your birthday, what would it be? So there's four different things, but you can only pick one, Tim. <laughs> Just the one. <laughs> Just one. Okay. So don't pick two. If you could ride in the Milano. Yep. Okay, ride in the USS Enterprise from Star Trek. Good catch. <laughs> ride in the Shield Helicarrier. Or ride in the Batmobile. No X-wing, eh? Oh, I, I didn't choose no any. Falcon? I didn't yeah. choose any Star Wars because he would have obviously chose that. It's true. It's so true. I tried to make this, you know, a little bit more uh, harder for him. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, the Milano would be my, yeah? my choice. Wow, the newest one, eh? Yeah, I feel like Batmobile is kind of sure, whatever. It's yeah. fast car, yeah, it's cool. But I kind of like the idea of flight. Helicarrier seems to fall to the sky quite frequently, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not really into that. Yeah, no. <laughs> and where can you park that thing? Yeah, the <laughs> Enterprise. Wrong franchise. Oh, <laughs> send your angry emails to Tim at timhatestartrek.ca. <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> well, you know, the Milano, I like that I like that choice, and we'll be uh, talking a little bit more about Guardians a little bit later. So we have some box office news for you. You know, this used to be a regular segment, and we're kind of bringing a little bit of it back, but uh, Suicide Squad, number one for a third consecutive week. Certified flop. <laughs> I mean, can we can we now say this movie is a success? Can we officially proclaim it that financially, not critically, but financially, it has met it, all its targets already. It's a success. Can we call that? It's not, it's not bad. They picked a good time to release this movie, right? Oh, because yeah. Because they're not really going up against anything. I mean, Sausage, Sausage Party, Party <laughs> War Dogs. Um, yeah. The, Kumo, I heard, is really good. I heard that, too. It yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give it a... You get, you'll give it a thumbs up, a begrudging thumbs up? It's so, not begrudging. Listen, last week we proclaimed Batman vs. Superman completely irrelevant. You go, yeah. Man of Steel straight to Suicide Squad and then continue on to the DC You know, Cinema. the nice bridge? Yeah. I, I, I've got some figures for you guys because, you know, this is the third movie from DC. So just a little bit of comparison mm-hmm. from the X-Men and the MCU because I think those are the three main comic book franchise cinematic universes. Well, they're the only three. Yeah. Because Sony's kind of out the game yeah. with Marvel. So. I mean, the Spider-Man ones were amazing. I almost said fantastic, but I stopped myself. Nice. Um, so the DCU, uh, DCEU, third fastest franchise to $2 billion worldwide. Only behind Harry Potter and The Lord of the Rings. Oh. So that's pretty good, you know? Not bad. Not bad, not bad. Mm-hmm. And a little, little perspective. So we'll go with uh, worldwide. So combine the uh, first three. So you got the X-Men, uh, mere $1.1 billion. You know, I mean that that's okay. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. MCU 1.4 billion. Again, pretty good. And now you got the DCEU 2.1 billion. Oh. I mean, they're killing it. Yeah, and that's in its first year. Uh, first three years. Uh, or first, sorry, first three movies. Um, combined. Wow. So, I mean, if you factor in budgets and stuff, they're still like doing really well. So, you know, hats off. A lot of the uh, critical flack that they've been getting doesn't seem to have hurt the DCEU. So. That will catch up with it. That I'm not will. going into this. I'm sitting here kind of giggling to myself because like, all I want to do is jump in and just yeah. go, yeah. I'm interested to know, though, what, what was their drop for the second week? Uh, pretty good. I think it was only 53%. 53% drop? Really? Yeah. And they said it was actually one of the better ones this year for comic book movies. So. Wow. Surprising. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Good, good to see. Good to see. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So uh, should we move on to 
It's a little cool. less controversy? A little less controversy. <laughs> Maybe we'll swing somewhere. <laughs> Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. yeah. So there were some rumors about who Zendaya is playing. So mm-hmm. she's kind of been cast as this ambiguous Michelle character. Yeah, who is in the comics. Yes. If that's who we thought she was going to be cast oh, as. Oh, okay. Yeah. But the rumor is going around right now that she is in fact playing Mary Jane Watson. Yeah. Oh, the internet did not like this. <laughs> no. no, no. Well, some people from the internet, most normal people, did. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I don't personally have a problem. I think it's really cool. Like, I'm familiar with her because of my recent divulging into <laughs> the Disney Channel with my daughter. Yeah, yeah so sure. She plays, she plays on this show called Casey Undercover, and she's actually pretty good on it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I've never seen her in anything. Comedic kind of? Or yeah, she yeah. plays kind of that, like, that very Mary Jane kind of feel to it. Okay. Like, she kind of has this, well, she has supermodel look almost, nice. like Mary Jane's supposed to be. She's yeah. quite intelligent. She's nice. quite physical. Independent? Independent, like? yeah. She okay. has that, the okay. traits that you would see Mary Jane having. Yeah. And I think even, you know, when I put her in perspective with Kristen Dunst, who seemed more like a damn on distress at times yeah. she didn't have that that prowess to her that mary jane does have yeah. whoa, whoa 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 kirsten does she's the best mary jane we've oh, ever gotten whoa, 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 yeah whoa, whoa. she was she's one of the, the best one <laughs> <laughs> i think i think what's her name from my uh, desurgent oh Shailen she, she, she was meant to be mary jane I yeah think, uh, film scenes yeah. Is, is, yeah sorry to sorry to interrupt but huge k dunn fan really she, oh yeah those spider the last thing she did that was good was jumanji <laughs> Whoa, yeah. just bring it on? <laughs> She's like 12. <laughs> yeah. It's already been brought in. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't a fan of her performance or portrayal as, as Mary Jane whatsoever. Okay. Not at all. Because Mary Jane's had to be strong, physical, smart, yeah. independent. And, and what you told me from this, uh, I was going to say High School Musical. Casey uh, Undercover, Casey man. Casey Undercover. Um, it, well, if she has all that, then I'm, I'm on board, you know. Yeah. And that's like any character being cast, right? Yeah. Like, if, they can, if they have the acting chops to do it, then so be it. I don't really care about the race or anything like that. Uh, hair color, I mean, I would kind of like to see it kind of dyed a little red. Yeah. Because yeah. that's just, that's Mary Jane. But other than that, I mean. She has the acting traits to evolve this character into something different, right? Make yeah. it her own. Yeah. And I think once we get to a point, if she is in fact Mary Jane. Yes. Because this was meant to be a twist, I think, towards the middle or end of the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's kind of been put out there. Whether or not it's true, it's a completely different story. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes when stuff like this comes out, and she's quite a prominent actress. Okay. She has, like, a ridiculous amount of followers on Instagram. Wow. Like, oh, like, okay. Like, millions upon millions. Wow. Like, wow. I think going forward, you see, you're going to see her kind of showing up in a lot more movies and that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if she's getting her start here, hopefully they can kind of carry her through this franchise. Yeah. I'd like to say that I did the research and watched those shows, but <laughs> she does as well as she does on those shows. Like yeah. it's not, it's not like a fantastic show or anything like yeah. that, but she's good in it. She can carry a show. Like she has that yep. that acting to be able to hold up a lead role in a movie like nice. this, or at least as some sort of supporting role to begin with, right? Nice. Go toe to toe with uh, Tom Holland. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. she could hold her own. Yeah, nice. Nice. and she even she hosted a one of those. Teen Choice Awards or oh, okay. something recently oh, okay. too. Yeah. That kind of caught a little bit of, and she again, she can hold her own. She has that that prowess to her yeah. that that MJ would have. Nice. nice. And I mean, if she's Disney, obviously Marvel's been keeping their eye on her for quite some time. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. They must know what they're doing. If yeah. if that's the case, if she's going to play Mary Jane. Yeah. yeah. I have a question for you guys. Do you think there's a double standard when it comes to these kind of things? Like when you know they cast um, white actors to play the Great One from um, Doctor Strange or Iron Fist. It seemed like, you know, that was seen as like a negative light. And then when they cast um, like a person of color for Mary Jane Watson, you know, like we think like, oh, that's great. You know, we, we look at it in a more positive light. Do you think that's kind of a double standard in Hollywood in terms of these kind of casting decisions in terms of changing races of characters? 
Well, I, I think it's just, I mean, when you go back to superheroes in general, back then, I, mean, I don't want to say everything was whitewashed, but that's all there was, was yeah. just white characters. So I agree. in this day and age now, when you have a when you have someone like the Chosen One and you change their race, it's kind of like, well, is that really necessary? Mm-hmm. Right? Because that character was pretty crucial, at least their race for that time, yeah. for them to go change it now. But I mean, at the flip side, at least with the Chosen, when they changed uh, the gender, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's that's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. I think that if they get the right actors and they do the character justice, yeah. mm-hmm. and it's it's not just capturing a different race for the sake of it, mm-hmm. if, it if it does the story well, yeah. I think go for it. Like, yeah. Yeah. you look at the diversity of characters that you get in a movie like Ant-Man, and they're all yeah. fantastic, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And But it didn't feel forced. It yeah. felt no. like it was supposed to be there. It felt like, you know, that the characters were meaningful, and the people that portrayed them were comedic, but also yeah. had... The, the physical roles and they didn't just serve a purpose to be there just to diversify the movie exactly. the yeah. actual characters yeah. and i think going forward like it doesn't really bother me it's like it's the same thing with finn when people were all ticked yeah. off that he was in a stormtrooper who cares yeah, yeah. He, he's one of the breakout characters yeah. not everyone Absolutely. loves the guy exactly. like, i think at the, the end of the day we have to trust some of these casting directors that they've gone through the process they've thought this out and they've looked at these characters not as you know someone with red or blonde or, or brunette hair or race or religion or anything like that and they looked at them and said like these people are good actors Mm -hmm. and they will fit this role absolutely and that's all it needs to be it doesn't need to be about race or whatever it Mm -hmm. just put out a good character good movie you know good narrative to that Mm -hmm. and let them do their thing and if it turns out like crap then that's just the way it is yeah yeah but uh, i'll take michael b jordan in any role for sure (laughs) yeah oh (laughs) yeah oh yeah definitely i think with comic books though you know a lot of the fanboys get so attached i mean all of us do, right? We, yes. we grow up these characters from the cartoons, the comics, to the Marvel mm-hmm. cards, the toys. We see how they're portrayed then, and we're like, well, what's going on here, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have a take on it. I think, you know, this stems from Hollywood and its history of whitewashing certain roles. Yeah. You know, back in the day, people who weren't white or men, you know, didn't have a lot of roles. So what, Hollywood is racist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you go back and you look and you're like, man, that is some racist stuff going on. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you're an Asian actor, like, you're from, you're an Indian actor, there's not a lot of roles for you in Hollywood today. You know, like, if you're Asian, you can be Zulu and Harold. Have you ever ever seen the show Master of None? No. With uh, Zaria? Oh, oh okay. yeah, I've seen that, yeah. There's, it's on Netflix. Really cool show. And there's a couple episodes. He's an actor in it. Yeah. And they address a lot of that about Indian actors in particular. Yeah. Having, they play the, you know, the cab driver or yeah. the owner the guy that runs a convenience store. Yeah. And, like, and he goes in there with, you know, no, like a, uh, an accent, like a Brooklyn accent or whatever, right? Yeah. And they're like, well, do the Indian accent. Yeah. And he's like, well, that's not... <laughs> Why am? Like, that's oh not God. how I talk. Yeah. yeah, like, well, that's the role. So, oh. yeah. and it's it's all about that kind of being typecast yeah. into a yeah. particular role, yeah. right? And wow. so you do see that, and people they do play on that mm-hmm. uh, in certain TV series and all that. So yeah. it's, it's interesting to see that you know, and we're even seeing it in comic books, right? Like, yeah, absolutely, the characters flipping. We have you know Ironheart coming out here, yeah. 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 Williams. Yeah. You yeah. finally got a, a name. It's not going to be Iron Man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, we got Miss Marvel. Yeah, you know, who's Muslim. We have Miles Morales now as Spider Man. You know, yeah. like, the list goes on quite a bit, right? I, I think oh, even yeah. X twenty three. I think. She's Asian, yeah. I believe, oh, too, yeah. right? And it's, yeah. But it's this diversifying. It's it's yeah. capturing what the world actually is. Yeah. I agree, Because yeah. if you were sitting on the foundation that was written in the 1960s with the yeah. original Avengers, right? Yeah. And you had Black Panther, 
and you had Luke Cage, yeah, yep. Sam Wilson, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah. and with the spectrum of, of human beings we have in this, earth, <laughs> particularly in places like the United States yep. and Canada, it's such a melting pot society mm-hmm. that that needs to be reflected in our media, yeah. in, in our comic books, in our films, mm-hmm. and so that's why I think all this is great. This is this is the norm, right? Yeah, yeah. we're not yeah. sitting in 1950s America <laughs> anymore in some yeah. sur- suburb, right? No, yeah, yeah. and it's it's not the Hollywood's not run. Well, maybe it is still. But yeah. <laughs> Hollywood's getting less racist, I would yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. It's I think there. so. Yeah, yeah, it's getting yeah. better. Yeah. It's good to see. Yeah. I mean, there's very few characters where race plays a central part of that character. Yeah. Like, if they were to cast Black Panther as a white guy, yeah. they, that does not make any sense yeah. at yeah. all, right? Like, no. No, so, which was kind of weird going back to like um, Gandhi, but I think it's Ben. Yeah, 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 that's weird. He did a great job, did though, a great job, but it's still but, kind of weird. Like, mm, there's a billion of us, and yeah. you couldn't pick one. Exactly. <laughs> right? And we have movies too, like Bollywood people. Yeah. Like, they're pretty good. Yeah, check them out. Yeah. We should do an all Bollywood episode. <laughs> yeah, there's some Bollywood put hero it, movies. Put it, put it on the list. <laughs> <laughs> all right, if you guys demand it, we'll do an all Bollywood singing and dancing episode. So I think Enchantress was doing some Bollywood at the end. Oh, of, uh, okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah. What's that? Number one for a third consecutive week? <laughs> Sorry, who, what, well, who's an opposer? <laughs> hey, take that sausage party. <laughs> and Pete the Dragon. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Speaking of sausage party, yeah. Avengers Infinity War. <laughs> Vin Diesel confirmed to some degree. The Guardians Galaxy may be showing up in Avengers Infinity War. Yes. That's the part one that was formerly part one that is now just Avengers 3 Infinity War or whatever they're calling it. (laughs) (laughs) And he kind of went out and stated it. It hasn't been confirmed by anyone. A lot of the directors, James Gunn in particular, the Russo brothers have been quite cagey about that. Yeah. And it's Pretty much, I would think, a given. At yeah. least maybe Star-Lord or Drax or someone like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you guys think of this? Because it's going to make this movie feel even bigger. Let's, yeah. let's take Civil War mm-hmm. and layer on a massive <laughs> villain yep. and then introduce some cosmic elements and yeah. the Guardians and potentially more characters like Doctor Strange and a mm-hmm. few others that we're going to have at this point. Yeah. Do you think this is going to be too big of a movie to be contained within two and a half hours? You know, I, I think two things. One... Uh, going back to uh, James Gunn, I remember for the longest time he said Guardians of the Galaxy will not be in this movie. This is way back, and now Vin Diesel's kind of come out saying this, but I think most of us kind of speculated that this would happen, right? That yeah. Guardians, yeah. You know, it makes Thanos, sense. Guardians, yeah, it, it does just, make sense. It makes sense for them to show up. But this is kind of cool because I get this anticipation now, like Avengers 1 again, and we're all yeah. waiting for them to all assemble and, oh, okay, and take yeah. out. At least that's what I've been feeling. So now we get to see like everybody in the MCU kind of team up yeah. and take out Thanos, right? So that's going to be pretty cool. But I think if, if the Guardians do show up, I think it'll be maybe towards the end and pretty brief. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think they're going to be like heavily involved in the movie. No, no. I, I don't think so. I always saw it as more of, if you remember from, I think it was AVX, where Nova came flying out of the sky and crashed into the ground and was right. like, it's coming, it's coming. Yeah. He's talking about the Phoenix Force. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And I always thought it would be like that where the Guardians show up mm-hmm. and they're all beat up. And they kind of crash land on Earth, and they're like, Thanos is coming. And nice. that's how the movie ends. Yeah. yeah. And that's going into when it was two parts. Okay. Yeah. That's how I thought it was going to end. Like, yeah. the, the Avengers are tracking the Milan or whatever, and yeah. it's kind of just crashes in cool. and there's no explanation as to why the guardians how they got there or anything yeah. like that you, you have them coming out of guardians galaxy volume 2 mm-hmm. there's no 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 hint towards that but then right. that just happens and you're like 
whoa, like that's a huge hook yeah. to come into the, awesome. the fourth one. But I don't know how they're going to do that now. That's, yeah. pretty, that's like Desolation of Smoke kind of, or yeah. Smoke kind of uh, ending there. I like that. Yeah. That's huge. You know, it's funny you say that. I actually was hoping that uh, DC would do that with Justice League and have uh, Green Lantern come down. That's, and yeah. do the exact same thing, nice. be like, Dark Side's coming. And then, you know, it's funny you said that. Um, the thing with the Guardians, though, the, if we know that they're in Avengers, does that kind of spoil then Guardians 2? Because you know everyone lives then? Well, I to degree, maybe. Like, it, it's Vin Diesel confirming at least a portion of the Guardians are going to be there. Exactly. I don't yeah. know. And again, with these characters, you have to look at just from a franchise perspective, yeah. they're not going to knock off any of their main characters. Yeah. And a lot of these... <laughs> well, we all know he's going back. Here he goes. Man of Steel 2 was announced. <laughs> he's already filming. Like, and so it's... The, the implications of something like that, it, it does diminish the overall story mm-hmm. and the weight behind that. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's... It's the Guardians of the Galaxy. It's a huge franchise. Yeah. Kill oh, yeah. The main they only need a little bit of them, like two or three of them to show up, right? Yeah, exactly. Group. Well, you can do, do the CG. Like, imagine Chris Pratt's going to be in it. Like, oh, I, for yeah. sure. So, yeah. and... Him and Robert Downey Jr. Oh, yeah. I see oh, yeah. Rocket and the Hulk. Like, I don't know. Rocket <laughs> and Spider-Man. That'd oh, be the interactions so cool. there would yeah. be unreal. Yeah. With Ant-Man? Yeah. Just being like, okay, there's a talking raccoon. Yeah. There's a talking tree. Yeah. Like, just imagine, just the interplay there without even oh, Thanos, yeah. right? Yeah. Just, oh. That would be incredible. <laughs> so cool. Just check out the new Guardians of the Galaxy art that they released. Yeah, we're yeah. fighting that like four-legged tentacle yeah. dog yeah. thing or whatever. It's kind of cool. I That's love cool. it. It looks like those pulled straight out of the comic books. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it has a little bit of that 80s feel of those yes. posters back in the yeah. day, right? I love it. It's so yeah. cool. My guess would be this is probably the first opening sequence battle. Cool. Kind of just showing you oh, the yeah. team come back together. Yeah. They're fighting something that really has no implications for the story. It's just mm-hmm. some weird space monster. Yeah. And it's kind of getting you back into the vibe. Like, this is Guardians. This is out there. This is cosmic. Yeah. Yeah. Don't expect something that's grounded or anything like that. Right. Like, we're fighting this space alien whatever. <laughs> yeah. and is guys... Ambus or something the name? They had a name for it. Ambus? Yeah, or... I can't remember something, the name. So. Something weird. But I hope this is kind of rivals uh, the airport scene in Civil War. Oh, that'd be you cool. You know, if they yeah. kind of set the bar even higher and make these Marvel movies all kind of have their own airport scene. <laughs> I'd love that. Here's yeah. the question. What song do you imagine playing when you look at that picture for the awesome mixtape volume two? Because that's the 80s, 90s, right? The yeah, music I think era? it is 80s this 80s? one. 80s, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's man. a good question. Nice. I have Michael Jackson's Beat It. Beat it. Yeah. yeah. Just beat it. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> Another MC movie that is currently filming Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. That's and right. I'm starting to see some set photos from that. We see Thor and Loki on set confirming Loki is going to have a big part of this movie. Oh, we all knew that. Yeah, but that's exciting, though. Yeah. Definitely. He's the best part of those Thor movies. He's the best exactly. villain in any of these movies, I'd say. Oh, too. for sure. I'd yeah. have him as number one MCU villain without yep. a doubt. Definitely. Do you think he's going to play some sort of weird anti hero? Yes. Because he's too popular. So if you keep him the villain, you know, and then people will kind of turn on him if he gets too villainous. But if you turn him into like the anti-hero, kind of like you look in the comic books, Venom, such a popular villain. And then he got turned into the anti-hero. Bane, kind of same thing. So I totally see him being an anti-hero, maybe even making an appearance in Avengers 3. Interesting. You know, I think he needs to be more of a villain this time. I think because the last two movies, we've seen him kind of play both sides. I think this time we kind of need to see him actually like draw out his master plan. Granted, I mean, Avengers obviously won. He was the villain, but... I'd like to see him a little more of a darker approach with, okay. with uh, Loki this time around. Nice. In yeah. league with Hela and, yeah. and all that. Yeah, because stakes should be high in this movie. I mean, it's called oh. Ragnarok. Yeah. So I'd like to see Loki um, batting on the bad side. But I think he... Doesn't he team up in the comics with Odin and Thor to take out Surtur? Yeah. 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 So I, that's why I think he might just become the anti-hero and team up with them. I mean, it'd be such a cool image to see those three on screen 
uh, taking down this like giant monster. I don't know if An- uh, Anthony Hopkins is signed on in this one though. Oh really? He was in the set photos. Nice, set photos. nice. What about Natalie Portman? She is. Oh, what about Darcy? <laughs> uh, what's her name? Yeah, Kat she's not going to be So oh. do, do we know if Loki's playing Anthony Hopkins? Like he's still playing Odin because last time we saw him, he was Odin. So right? there were. Ru- I don't want to spoil anything. So there were rumors about at least a portion of Anthony Hopkins' role in this, and yeah. it looks like that's coming to fruition from the set photos. Okay. Oh, okay. Nice. And it looks like, at least in part, this, there's going to be some scenes on Earth. Because it oh, looks okay. like yeah. the set photos are set. Right. And they've made a Times Square-looking thing. Yeah. So, for whatever reason, they've come to Earth. I was hoping all this would be set in the other realms yeah. and that. Yeah. But hopefully this is just something that's quite short-lived, and it might be, you know, they're going down to chase Hulk. Yeah. Or okay. something to that effect, yeah. right? Uh, or, and it's, or there's rumors that Hulk's gone and Thor's come down to investigate for whatever reason, right? right. That could be where the, the route that they're going with this. Don't know. And I, I'm excited to see these characters back on set. Thor looks great. Loki's nice. looking awesome. He's like full decked out, black cool. suit, long nice. black hair. Nice. And uh, this looks like it's going to be a really good movie. I'm, awesome. This one is probably the most anticipated I've been for a Thor movie. Oh, okay. Well, oh, for sure. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think oh, yeah, has, with Hulk being there, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's all the right elements of to give us something different. Yes, mm-hmm. and get away from Earth. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And I think the director is, is uh, taking it in the right direction, if you yeah. will. Oh, <laughs> I like where you went with that. <laughs> and, uh, Are the actors acting about? towards it <laughs> yeah. and the producers <laughs> producing it? As so, they go. <laughs> oh. Thor comes out next year? Thor 3? Yeah, next November. Okay, okay. And so MCU has Thor... Um, Spider-Man and Guardians. Yeah. Those are their big three. That's May, July, and November. May, July, and November. Okay, that's good. That's good. Yeah, so we got three big movies next year. Yeah. Oh, isn't, isn't there a Star Wars movie coming out? Well, I meant for the MCU. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you just meant like three in general. Of course, like... there's a Star Wars movie coming out. <laughs> Is there a Star Wars movie coming out every year now for yeah. the next X years? For the, the rest of our lives. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, so we're good. Episode yeah. like 27, like Jar Jar Binks is in the nursing home. He's rolling on BB-8. I don't think we're ever going to see Jar Jar Binks again. No. <laughs> Should we put a bet? Okay, if Jar Jar Binks makes an appearance in any other Star Wars movie... We gotta. I don't know what we're gonna have to do. But... Jar Jar Binks or his race or Gungans. Yeah, Gungans. Because I could see them putting a Gungan yeah. in the background. Zoom <laughs> makes. I don't know. Gun, that's his race. Misa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. If he if he, Misa Bamba General. <laughs> if he makes an appearance in any of the Star Wars movies, Tim has to do an entire episode talking like Jar Jar Binks. Are you game? I'll have to I'm... call and sick that episode. <laughs> I'm game because we're not gonna put Jar Jar Binks yeah. in another movie ever. No. Oh, I'm good friends with George. <laughs> That's okay, because he doesn't own it anymore. So. <laughs> yeah. Naboo, Naboo gets blown up, I'm pretty sure. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Episode 8, though, they began editing it. Yeah. So they've already filmed it? So it's done filming. Oh, yeah. So, wow. this, so this was originally slated to come out in May next year. Yeah. Oh, okay. And they pushed it back to December. I don't know if it was because of the production schedule or if it was because The Force Awakens did so well on that slot. Yeah. That they decided, hey, we're just going to... Let it sit there because that was. If you look, the three biggest movies of all time come have come out that weekend in December. Yeah, and that's Titanic, Avatar, Force Awakens. Yeah. So Don't mess with why not thing. suck up? Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. Yeah, yeah. budgeting, marketing, and um, like you said, they did so well the year before. But the production schedule for this was set out for a May release. Yeah, yeah, and that's why they're so far ahead right now. And whether that gives them a lot of time to kind of go in and tweak it, 
or whether they actually move it back to May is something that's been tossed around. Oh. But that kind of conflicts with Guardians. Yeah, there's yeah. no way they would do Two that. Two space operas around the same time, yeah. and not to mention owned by the same company. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I don't see that happening. It would coincide with the, the 40th anniversary of the release of Star Wars, which yeah. was in May. Mm, interesting. I'll just give us a Blu-ray or something crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't they re-releasing Episode 7 on Blu-ray now? They like, are. Oh, yeah. Extra yeah. scenes or something? It'll, yeah. they'll, they'll do this. This is the iterative process. <laughs> That is collecting Star Wars. Yeah. Man, here's here's another steel book. Here's yeah. another. I just bought know, the steel book. It's better than giving us an extended cut, though. Oh, that yeah, is. Aren't they adding in more deleted scenes, <laughs> which is an extended cut? <laughs> well, we determined that deleted scenes aren't canon. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, unless they're shoved back into a three-hour version. Of you that you guys know you're all going to buy the Suicide Joker cut. I know. I guarantee it. Tim will be calling me up. Hey, Sanjay, you got an extra steel book? And Troy, like, yeah, man, give me an extra steel book. <laughs> Like, sure, man. Double price now because of all your shenanigans. I've dedicated so much time to DC extended cuts already. <laughs> We're still talking about that, Phil. Part of me now just enjoys poking at it. Like, it's just kind of fun now. It's like I, I said last week when I watched Ultimate Cut, I didn't hate it. Yeah. But it was, it was just, it's kind of fun to make fun of now. You just it's just, poke just, the bear? Yeah. It's just become kind of like a, the butt of every joke. Men are still good. <laughs> it's so quotable. Come on. Is the extended cut of Man of Steel? There is a rumored four-hour cut that isn't going to be released yet. I would love that. I would watch it. I love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Won't complain about that one. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> so every time we talk DC, I'm just going to make sure to bring up Man of Steel, nice, right? Nice. <laughs> there you go. It's, it's, it's the first movie yeah. of the two DC Cinematic Universe films. <laughs> <laughs> you got to watch Batman v Superman. If you don't watch Batman v Superman, you're going to be like, how does Superman die? We went over Irrelevant. This, you don't actually have to watch. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't actually have to watch Batman v Superman. Just assume he dies in the end of Man of Steel. <laughs> but how? I don't know, Zod, he, a building falls on his face? Yeah. I have no idea. It doesn't matter, it's irrelevant. You already know who Batman cut. is. You're going to get Wonder Woman in the Wonder Woman movie. But Wonder Woman was amazing in that film. Doesn't you matter. can't tell me she stole that movie. Like She was, she was great. But, but whatever she doesn't, she it doesn't great. matter. Because she's going to have her whole origin movie being bad. But exactly. what if the whole origin movie is just a dream, and then she wakes up, and then she's fighting Doomsday in Batman? Then I'm never watching it. <laughs> Aquaman and Flash, you got both of them in Suicide Squad? But you wouldn't have seen their YouTube clips. What YouTube clips? <laughs> From Batman vs. Superman. Oh, yeah, we didn't even need those. Because all oh, those yeah. in Suicide Squad, we yeah. got to see their yeah. files. You got to see yeah, their That's done better than that. You, you, didn't get to, you didn't get to see him move around. Oh, the water hair? <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm just saying, yeah. we're still talking about Batman v Superman, but we haven't once talked about Civil War yet, so I'm just throwing that out there. Civil War is flawless. <laughs> it is flawless. I actually just rewatched it on the plane to the U.S. last week. Oh, really? It was on, they have kind of sometimes the movies that are on oh, early yeah, yeah, yeah. from release, because it doesn't get released till September. Yeah, a couple weeks. A Cu- couple weeks, and yeah. And rewatched it. Absolutely incredible. So good. Holds up. It is kind of rattling around the top three, Whoa. and it's making a case for number one MCU movie. Oh, yeah. oh, wow. Oh, yeah. We're going to have to do an MCU ranking episode where nice. we talk about all ours from Iron Man to Civil Doctor War. Strange. Doctor Strange, okay. Yeah. It's, it's going to be tough because that, that movie is near flawless. It, it's, it's, it's really it's good. It's great. Like Winter Soldier, for me, was number one for the longest time, and yep. this kind of came up, so I don't know. It's kind of between Winter oh, Soldier okay. and Civil War. I, I like see. I have Winter Soldier a little bit ahead, mm-hmm. but because I like the, like the spy espionage oh, stuff that. with that, yeah. yeah. But I'm not like knocking the film, but yeah. I just think you know it's like it's really good, but it's just not Winter Soldier. Yeah. I mean, you guys, oh, you guys are looking at me angrily now. No. Did, did, did I did I upset? Oh no. 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 I'm just, sorry. You just interrupted Star Wars talk. <laughs> so Star Wars, um, Tim, would you say that if Star Wars ran for president, you would vote for it? <laughs> 
100%. They'd be in. What if Darth Vader ran for president? Probably not. <laughs> I feel like he wouldn't run for president. He'd just take the presidency. <laughs> Speaking of Vader. Yeah. Rogue One. Yes. Figures. Oh. Vader? Not Vader yet. Yeah. But they released the, what could potentially be, not they released, it was yeah. leaked. Oh, okay. What potentially could be the Force Friday Rogue One right. first series. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're looking at Jin Erso, which is the same figure as released at San Diego Comic-Con. Nice. Just in the normal packaging. Yeah. What's that? It's the main character, Felicity Jones. Don't worry about it. You'll get that. <laughs> <laughs> the one that says Ivy Bell. Yeah. Oh, okay. A Death Trooper. Nice. Okay. K2SO, which is the new droid. Yeah. Captain Cassian Andor. Ooh. He's the one that looks like he's in like the Hoth gear. Oh, okay. Yeah, like Han Solo's. Yeah, yeah kind of. Empire. And he's kind yeah. of got like a Poe Dameron feel to him. Yep. And then yep. there are a repacked Ray, as well as the unmasked Kylo Ren, which looks like it's from that other exclusive Nice. Pack. Does Ray have a lightsaber? Does she come with it? I couldn't tell from the figure if she right. had, or from the packaging, if she had oh, lightsaber. Okay. It was kind of a weird, glary photo. Yeah. It looked very similar to the original release. Nice, okay. Nice. Which one are you going to go for on Force Friday? Kylo Ren, Ooh. without a doubt. He's the only one that I recognize. Anyway. <laughs> I, I think Jyn will be pretty easy to pick up. I agree. So I'm, I'm definitely going go with the Massless Kylo. You said the robot, too, the droid, right? K2SO. Yes, right? and I'm going to go for that guy. I'm yeah. thinking Death Trooper and K2SO. See, I saw a Death Trooper the other day, too. I did see a Death Trooper. They haven't even come out yet. No, but it's like it's the Black Troopers, right? Well, it's that's those are the Tie Fighter pilots. Okay, so that's the one I saw. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So the Death Troopers have the different look to them, oh. and they've never been in a Star Wars movie. Oh, okay, okay. So I saw the one that came with your uh, yeah, with Tie the, Fighter. Yeah, okay. exactly. So those are the the Tie Fighter pilots. Okay, they're all perfect. black too. Yes, similar kind of look. Right. But they're supposed to be kind of like the SS Death Squad sort of thing. Oh. So, but people troop build these, so I think they're going to be hard to find. And my guess is they're probably one per case. Oh, you probably nice. get Jyn Erso probably two per case. Pack. Yeah. So for every one Death Trooper, there's two Jyn Ersos. Yes. So Death Trooper and K2SO are going to be the ones that flop. That's my yeah. prediction. Oh, yeah. So those are the ones you got to go for on Force Friday. Good call. Good yep. call. I 100% agree with whatever Tim <laughs> says. <laughs> oh, Sanjay. Let's get back to something. How that's... many Jar Jar Binks are they going to release? Do you guys own Jar Jar Binks figures? I do have a Jar Jar Binks figure nice. from episode one. I have a Lego Jar Jar. I think I had two Lego Jar Jars. You may have given me one. I gave you one, though. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'll give you another one if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> so, jumping back to the DC Cinematic Universe. That's right. Man of Steel 2. We've briefly touched on this last two episodes. Yeah. It's been announced. And there's some rumors about potential directors. I'm excited. So we've got Doug Lehman. So he directed Edge of Tomorrow, Born Identity. I think he's doing Gambit. Wow. Apparently he's in the running. Okay, that's a great one. J.J. Abrams has been rumored for Man of Steel. I feel like this guy gets rumored for everything Everything. now. Oh, for sure. He could do whatever he wants, though. Like, if you're J.J. Abrams and you're like, I want to make a movie of six hours of Jar Jar Binks, they'd be like, yeah, sure. Stop bringing up Jar Jar Binks. (laughs) (laughs) He's the only character I know. This is the Jell-O movie. (laughs) (laughs) The Monopoly movie, fine. If they ever did a movie based on the board game Monopoly. I think they are doing one. Seriously? Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think so. Okay, if they ever do a movie based on Jenga. Don't doubt that. They're doing Tetris. They are doing Tetris. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> what? They'll do anything. They, didn't they learn from Battleship and Snakes and Ladders? No, wait, that's they learned from movie. the Lego movie. Have you guys, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lego movie was great, though. Oh, yeah. That's what he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I yeah. get it. I get sarcasm. So, J.J. Abrams did write Superman Flyby. That's right. A very weird 2002, film. yeah. Yeah. It's a very strange plot, synopsis, and all that that he put together. Yeah. And he's had quite a bit of success reinventing characters, right? That's With right. Star Wars and Star Trek. Star, Star Trek. Trek as well. So is this the guy that they bring on to finally elevate Superman to the level that maybe he does deserve? Absolutely. Ooh. 
You yeah. think that's that's who you'd go with? Oh yeah, J.J. Abrams for sure. I'd love to see his take on Superman. It would probably have to... sci-fi too. Yeah, You'd probably see yeah. a little bit more of a sci-fi kind of Superman. I want it to yeah. be more in space, like kind of like all space too. So yeah. that'd be a perfect choice. What about Edgar Wright? He's the other one that's potentially in contention. I want Edgar Wright to do an Adam film and just take what Ooh. he did for Ant Man and just move it over into the Adam. <laughs> you know, I think if Edgar Wright did a Blue Beetle. That would be oh, like awesome. yeah. yeah. That'd be fun. He seems a yeah. bit sideways. Yes. There was the way that Marvel was developing their films as far as, you know, here's a rough formula you have to fit into this cohesive universe. Yeah. That's what he didn't like, apparently, about Ant-Man. Yeah. Is that they had given him some freedom because Ant-Man was supposed to come out as one of the first movies. Yeah. And it took so long to come out that by that time, the MCU was so well established mm -hmm. that he was unable to make the film that he wanted. And that's mm -hmm. why I got handed off to Peyton Reed. Yeah. Yeah. And so, again, it's, is Edgar Wright the right guy to fit into the larger DC cinematic universe, especially with a character like Superman, which has implications for almost every single movie going forward? Yeah. I, uh, I would want to see George Miller from Mad Max. There were some rumors about him potentially doing it as well. I think that'd be kind of a cool pivot. Is he pivot. really old, though? Oh, yeah. yeah. But he just yeah. did Mad Max. So, I mean, he could still, he could still direct. I think J.J. Abrams could bring like the fun to Superman. Because I, yeah. I feel like these movies have forgot that Superman's fun. Yeah. You know? So I'd like to see his take on that. And plus, I love that the lens flares. I could use a couple more <laughs> lens flares in my movies. You know, it's kind of like when Singer was announced, the Superman Returns, and we all lost our minds. Be like, oh, if he could do this with X-Men, imagine yeah, what he could do with Superman. That's right. And then he just harkened back and made a Christopher Reeves movie in 2006. But you know, the problem is they cut a lot out of what he wanted to do. They actually oh, had a really? huge origin of, of Superman coming from space. That would be cool. They actually cut it all out and put it in the video game. Really? Superman Returns. But if you play that oh. video game, the, pretty much most of the stuff they did there was taken out of um, his his original cut. We so need again, an extended DC, edition. Up their extended cuts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would love to watch that yeah, extended yeah, edition. Yeah, but he basically battles his way back to Earth. is is pretty neat. That'd be pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this is a great segue into our topic here today. We're talking our top five favorite directors. Yeah. That's right. And it's something that we're continually discussing because the implications of a director for a movie are big mm -hmm. or huge. They can draw us into a movie, and they can push us away from a movie if the right director isn't chosen. We're seeing a lot of writer-director combos now, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And you see right now a shift, particularly with comic book movies, towards acquiring you know top-tier directors oh, yeah. to helm their big movies. <laughs> yeah. And we're also seeing a diversification of the style and types of directors we're getting. So similar to comic books where we have different writers and yeah. artists and that producing different books to give you a different flavor, different feel. Because each character cannot be generically taken. No. And diversifying your portfolio of directors yep. to give you different takes on different characters and different feels within movies is something that I've really enjoyed from particularly the Marvel Cinematic Universe mm -hmm. is that we get different types of movies that are masked as superhero movies in the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And I think it's all about the direction they're taken by a particular director. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that directors themselves also kind of get this weird binary type of reception. It's either they've done a fantastic job and they're a new, the visionary director of whatever, yep. Yep. or they take the short end of the stick and just get plowed through. Oh, yeah. yeah, you know, take David Ayer. He's just yeah. getting kind of run over. Yeah. Zack Snyder, oh, yeah. going back to Edgar Wright, who was supposed to direct Ant Man, yeah. and had a falling out with the studio because yep. they're they're squashing his creative process. Yeah, and so there's a lot in a director. You know, they even use them at times as your hook into the movie. You know, from the director of Iron Man yep. comes Jungle Book. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? That's absolutely. Because right. they did with Man of Steel uh, from the director that gave you the the Dark Knight trilogy. We have Christopher Nolan producing yeah. Man of Steel. And everybody's like, oh, it's Christopher Nolan doing this movie. For the longest time, everybody thought Christopher <laughs> Nolan was directing yeah. Man of Steel. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, because oh, yeah. they even use those prominent directors as producers. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, producers. Yeah. oh, yeah. Look at the guy that's Steven Spielberg. He is splashed all over every Transformer yes. movie. And, oh, yeah. Like, everything. And you're kind of like, well, is, does he actually have any <laughs> implication? Like, is he actually helping the process here? Or is it just literally he's being paid to stick his name on it? Exactly. Oh, and he didn't even have to do anything, right? Oh, yeah. It's just like, yeah, put my name on here. Here's $5 million and I make $50 million. Yeah. I mean, I kind of feel like directors are like GMs or coaches in sports where they get far too much blame and they get far too much praise when they succeed. Yeah. So, you know, they're kind of like the rudder, the captain of the ship, as you will. So they're they're like the face. You know, no one ever says like, oh, the producers, you know, didn't give them enough yeah. money to fulfill their vision. Yeah, you never hear that. Or this. It's always, yeah. I, I think they're the coach. Yeah, I agree with yeah. you. Because you look at a guy like Josh Trank, too. They yeah. can have mm-hmm. these meteoric rises. So this guy oh, yeah. directed two movies and then he got Star Wars Episode Nine. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. And then that got squashed pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But then a guy like Colin Trevorrow hadn't done a whole lot, yeah. got Jurassic World, and now is directing episode nine. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's crazy how a director, you know, more so than some other, like even actors or writers or that, get opportunities, it seems. And I think it's mm-hmm. a pretty small club. Yeah. But once you've made that small indie film that people love, it's all of a sudden you're helming this $250 million movie. Yeah. yeah. So you look at some of the directors that we're going to be talking about here, and their their library of films, their filmography, is enormous. Oh, yeah. Before oh, they yeah. started getting to movies that you're, you know, you're dumping $250 million into. Yeah. yeah. And so you have to question yourself sometimes is, you know, is taking these directors, these young directors... And putting them into these mega movies mm-hmm. really early on, is that just asking for failure? Or yeah. taking a director from a specific genre? Because mm-hmm. sometimes they get almost type directed, if you will. Oh, where, yeah. Where they're directing only horror or only yeah. action flicks or whatever. Yeah, and then yeah. trying to, yeah. to skew them sideways and do something different. Yeah. yeah. And it's seeing how well they've progressed through that. Because <laughs> right. I think you find that with comic book movies as well. Is like you take a director like Alan Taylor who did uh, Thor, mm-hmm. and you figure, well, that makes sense. He did a lot of Game of Thrones, yeah. and oh, okay. it just didn't work. Right? Yeah. Right. You didn't get that vibe off that you thought. You in your head, you're like, this is going to be incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it didn't turn out that great. That's yeah. Great. That was the second Thor. Yeah. It was oh, the second Thor. Yeah. yeah it was the second one. Yeah. Yeah. Because Kenneth Branagh did the first, the first one, one, which is another one that makes sense, right? Yeah. You know, he's. An English actor, you kind of get that vibe from mm-hmm. Thor. Oh, he's English. He could do fantasy. <laughs> they all do it. Uh, it kind of reminds me back, I think it was the 70s or 60s, where they kind of Hollywood gave the keys to the kingdom to those young directors like Spielberg, George Kubrick, Lucas. George Lucas, Martin Scorsese. So Kevin Smith said, being a director is a young man's game. You know, you have these stories to tell. You're more in tune kind of with society and young society. A 30-year-old is as opposed to a 75-year-old is. So I think it makes sense, but I do agree. I mean, $200 million budgets are bigger than they've ever been. This is a huge investment. And it's not just studios who are making this decision. You know, the investors are making these decisions. The heads of Disney and Warner Brothers and Sony are all making these decisions. Because, I mean, $250 million could make or break your studio. Disney has been killing it. They had the four highest grossing films this year, but they've also had three giant flops. You got to be careful. And it's easier to give the keys to, say, Spielberg and here's a $40 million film back in the day, as opposed to now and saying, okay, Josh Trank, here's $200 million. Give me a great Fantastic Four film. You know, studios have to be more careful because the budgets are bigger than ever and it could be a huge, huge mistake. And it could literally put a studio back like many years. If you have a film that loses like $100, $200 million. Investors are going to be shy and not want to invest anymore. Unless you play it safe like Deadpool. Yeah. And it's set expectations, right? So they gave a movie like Guardians of the Galaxy to James Gunn. Yeah. And yeah. they said, 
we want you to be James Gunn. Yeah. yeah. And do that, right? Mm-hmm. And the expectations for that weren't huge, but it yes. turned out to be a massive hit. Oh, yeah. And it, it's setting your expectations. You don't give the keys to episode nine to unproven director, right? No, no. Anyways, let's jump into to this. So what we're going to do here is we're going to talk about some of our favorite directors. And we're going to come back to some of their movies. Okay. Old and new alike. Yep. And kind of just discuss why we like them. Their well, styles... Sure. Past movies that they've done mm-hmm. is it is it capturing nostalgia that it does it for you? Do they span multiple genres and and what directors turn your head when they say this movie is directed by Josh Trank? Are you going to go watch this <laughs> just because of that? Right? Yeah. So fair enough. For example. <laughs> okay, so I'll start. Uh, so I have two honorable mentions. They were quite close to making my list, but unfortunately, I haven't seen enough of their films to put them ahead of some other directors. But I think they're amazing directors, and I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of their works. I had Stanley Kubrick, the great director who gave us The Shining, quite possibly the greatest horror film of all time. 2001, Space Odyssey, Clockwork Orange, Eyes Wide Shut, Dr. Strangelove. Every one of his movies is certified fresh in Rotten Tomatoes. But interesting enough, that wasn't always the case. When he came out with The Shining, people hated that film. It actually won a couple Razzies for being the worst film of the year, worst actress. And it's crazy when you think about it now because people... Talk about The Shining as such a glowing light. You know, you talk about favorite horror film. The Shining is always mentioned. Favorite Jack Nicholson performance. The Shining, always mentioned. So it's just funny to see how tastes can change throughout the years. He also broke down a lot of barriers for guys like Spielberg and George Lucas when it comes to 2001 Space Odyssey, right? Mm -hmm. And that opened a lot of doors for space opera, space fantasies. And that's where a lot of cues were taken from, and in part from... George Lucas kind of moving into Star Wars. Oh, and yeah. from Spielberg for Close Encounters. Yeah. He directed the moon landing, depending who you believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you ever see that documentary room, I think 237, where it talks about all like the hidden meanings between The Shining? And there's a scene where the little boy's wearing like a space rocket shirt and he stands up and is supposed to signify that he directed the moon landing. I think sometimes people put way too much thought into stuff. Just just interesting Easter eggs before we knew what an Easter egg was. Um, And my last honorable mention, the very dark Darren Aronofsky. So he gave us films like Black Swan, Requiem for a Dream, and The Wrestler. And if you guys have been following uh, my Twitter, you saw The Wrestler made my top favorite seven movies on Twitter. And Black Swan, another great horror film that earned Natalie Portman an Oscar. So I've unfortunately I've only seen those three movies of his, but I'm looking forward to seeing the rest. So what do you guys have for your honorable mentions that did quite make the cut? Um, I didn't have a list, but just off the top of my head, uh, Wes Anderson. Oh, okay. Uh, I really like uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, and I believe he also did Mr. Fox, which is hilarious. So those two movies right there are pretty cool. Um, as well, I think it's uh, Joel Edgerton. He's just coming up. Well, he's he's been an actor for quite some time. He made an appearance in episode three. Uh, he's Uncle Owen. Uncle Owen. Right, right. Uh, he's also in um, last year's Black Mass. He's great in that. And then he's, I think his directorial debut was The Gift, which is great. Kind of Oh, I love thriller. that film, yeah. So cool. He stars and directs that movie. So cool. I can't wait to see more of him. Awesome. So yeah, those, those are my two kind of audible mentions. Yeah. Good choices. Yeah. Timothy? I really struggle with this question. And this okay. is something that I put a lot of thought and effort into. Because <laughs> when I'm trying to pick my five top favorite directors, I was looking at the list. And I was I kind of went to, back to my Blu-ray drawer. Because I don't have like an extensive Blu-ray collection. I only buy the movies that I'm going to watch more than once. Yeah. Same with me. And yeah, all thousand of them. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I looked through my, my Blu-ray drawer, I was, I was sitting there thinking like, Okay, there's clearly a theme here of, of directors at least. There's a genre theme, but also like those particular directors seem to kind of fit into those various genres that I do like. And when I looked at my list, I compiled it, and I thought to myself, 
can I leave off the man that gave me my lifelong passion? <laughs> that being George Lucas. <laughs> and I really had to separate myself out here because as a creative mind, I think George Lucas sits there among the best of them. Yeah. yeah. He came up with Indiana Jones and the whole Star Wars universe and the concept of a franchise yeah. and building a wider universe spanning multiple movies. Yeah. Does he sit on my best director's <laughs> yeah. list? Yeah. Yeah. The answer is no. Yeah. Oh, that surprised me. So I had to leave him off of wow. my list. So he's the one I'm giving honorable mentions to because I really look at directors as both writers, producers, yeah. as well as directors. It's kind of a whole package. You yeah. can't just direct a film without having some sort of stakes in it or control over right. the overall writing and creative process. Yes, you do get mercenary directors that do things like that, yeah. but I find the directors that have that sort of involvement produce better movies. Mm. They seem to yeah. be tied more to the story. Yeah. They seem to have some overall stakes in the movie as well. Yeah. So, honorable mention, George Lucas sits there. Yeah. And a couple others I have, Ryan Coogler, Okay. Fantastic. Okay. Directed yeah. Provo Station, oh, yeah. Creed, and is directing Black Panther. Oh, yes. the Cougar. And yeah. yeah, he's really a director that I see shining in the future. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's taking small steps here, which I really like. Yep. Provo was great. Yeah. Creed, another big step. Yep. And then going into kind of your first big Marvel movie yeah. here with Black Huge. Panther. Big budget. Seems appropriate. I really like where he's going, but I just yeah. haven't seen enough of him to put him kind of in that Absolutely. top five. Yeah, right? still a little bit too young. Uh, I'm curious to know with George Lucas, is because the prequels? Is, did that kind of... <laughs> well, well, you know, because... Yeah, he... well, like, he's got some good stuff. Like, American Graffiti's great. Yeah. And it's when you look at the prequels, I find that it was almost too much involvement. And he put so much weight and effort into producing the technology to give us a CGI-based movie yeah. that I just felt his direction. And I don't feel he can direct people, yeah. actors. He's not actors. Yeah. Uh, no, and like he's visually, it's fantastic. Yeah. And I think story-wise, it seemed rush. And the characters, I just didn't like the casting, yeah. which he had heavily influenced in. And I just don't see him as an overall director that kind of can take you from point A to point B in this all-encompassing process. So yes, he did produce Star Wars, yeah. one of my favorite movies of all time. Definitely. So it's it's, it's really difficult for me because yeah. yeah. I just don't think he's a superior director when yeah. you look at the list of other directors that are out there to make a top five. But Definitely. I really struggle with that idea of, you know, Star Wars is a huge part of my life yeah. and how can I yeah. leave him off of that? Yeah. And Indiana Jones. Yeah. Well, he wrote that. He didn't direct it. Oh, okay. Okay. Spielberg directed those. Yes, he did. Spielberg, go. All right. Well, let's kick this off with... Let's do it. Number five. Number five. So, Sanjay, why don't you... All right. Number five. I have the roller coaster career of Mr. M. Knight. Shyamalama Ding Dong. Wow. Yeah. Right (laughs) off the bat, crickets. We're doing top five, right? Top five of all time. Okay. So this guy has reached the highest highs, six cents. He's reached the lowest lows with the happening, which wasn't as bad as people say. Did he do Unbreakable as well? He did Unbreakable. I like that yeah. One. yeah. Yeah. Superhero. So he burst onto the scene with this amazingly perfect horror film, The Sixth Sense. And then he released a movie, you know, showing his love of comic books because he's a big comic book fan, as Troy said, Unbreakable, yes. which is actually a pretty good superhero it's film. It's really good. Yeah. yeah. Samuel L. Jackson, Bruce Willis. Yeah. Showing us a world where superheroes were real, kind of what kind of the consequences they would face. Yep. And then he released the Alien Invasion film Signs. I love that movie. Such a great film. I mean, it works as an Alien Invasion film. It works as a horror film. Yep. That was really, you know, his last super great film until last year when he released The Visit. He has a certain style and you all know what his style is. It's the twist ending. And when he released Sixth Sense, 
I don't think that film would have done as well if it was released today with internet and spoilers. For sure, we would have spoiled what is quite possibly one of, if not the, greatest twist endings in a movie. Darth Vader notwithstanding Tim. I know Tim was going to get upset with that. Say, yeah. Like, this is like... Yeah, you, Tim and Troy were both about <laughs> to kill me. <laughs> but hands up if you guys saw if he was dead. No, no. no. At the time? No, definitely not. No, that's going to shit at me. <laughs> <laughs> and the film was more than just a twist ending. It had this great atmospheric build-up to you. And, you know, it built with it each scene, each scene until that fantastic climax. We all like the fantastic climax. And then so he did, he does, he's done mostly horror, but he has double, dabbled in sci-fi with not very good results. And I was debating whether I should put him on this list, but... Honestly, every time they announce a film of his coming out, just from his first three movies, I'm always there. I'm always there to see them. I always want to watch them. And they always make bank at the box office. All his films actually do fairly well, surprisingly. My hidden gem, my recommendation to see that's kind of a lesser known M. Night Shyamalan movie is the one I talked about, The Visit. So he kind of redeemed himself in a lot of people's eyes because that is actually a really good, harkens back to his traditional horror days with the twist ending that you don't see coming i had i was guessing the whole time and i was completely wrong and it's just a fun movie i think he's back he's releasing a new movie with uh professor x james mcavoy yeah yeah so i'm really curious to see that if i could pick a comic book movie for him to direct i would go with either swamp thing or giant size man thing you know let him flex his horror muscle let him stay away from sci-fi give you some sort of twist ending Mm. Yeah, I just I just love this guy. You know, he came out of kind of nowhere. Like Sixth Sense was his first film. I don't think there's any director that's had such a gigantic first film that literally changed the genre, and it was huge. Star Wars, no? Was that wasn't George Lucas's <laughs> first film though? Oh, okay, yeah, you're right. Like it his, wasn't first, his first, yeah, because yeah, right. he was doing that right, other right. one, and, yeah, yeah. and he did. I mean, I guess M Night Shyamalan. I guess he wrote. Stuart Little, for some reason. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. For some reason. But yeah, The Sixth yeah. Sense is just... It's great. It's... A f- it's I'm, I gotta stop saying the word fantastic, but it's a great film. Yeah. I just cannot say enough mm-hmm. to you. And you know me, I love my horror. Oh, yeah. But it's a film I think anyone can enjoy. Oh, yeah. Like, it's not definitely. like too gory. It is scary as all hell. So some of those scenes still scare me when, you know, he closes his eyes and he sees all the dead people around. Ah! It's just creepy. Yeah. It's still... Like, I watch a lot of horror films... And very few of them scare me on second and third viewings. This is one of them. And you got a pretty decent performance out of uh, Bruce Willis then. Yeah. Too, yeah. Right? yeah. And uh, Haley Joel Osment. Yeah. So that's my number five. I mean, nice. do you guys... Everyone's seen The Sixth Sense here, I assume. Yeah. Yes. That's yeah. Like Definitely. First yeah, yeah, oh, so. yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean he, he, as I said, he's a roller coaster career, but I feel like he's kind of turned the corner with the visit and I'm looking forward. You know, as we said, as Tim said... When you see a movie and it says, directed by M. Night Shyamalan, I'm there. I'm mm-hmm. still going to see it. I saw The Village, which was just okay. I haven't seen Lady in the Water. I saw The Happening, which, again, just okay. Yeah. But as I said, his first three and The Visit, those are four great films. He's had a great filmography. You know, I'm, I, you know all these directors that I have, I really have this, like, fantasy one day where I'm just going to sit down and one day just plow through an entire director's works. Nice. You know, that'd be just, I think that'd be just such a fun way to kill a day. So I don't know how I'm going to do that, but you'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and like Sanjay said there, so we're going to do a little nerd room twist. 
with each of these directors, we're going to kind of say what kind of comic book movie or what particular cool. franchise we'd like to see them either yeah. either take up or introduce into the MCU oh, or yeah. DC Cinematic Universe or X-Men or whatever. Nice. I want to see M. Night Shyamalan take over Guardians because he did such a good job in sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Troy, who do you got for your number five? Okay, so mine's not in any particular order. Yeah. Oh, All right, way to but, go. Uh, Get out of here, Troy. <laughs> mine, uh, number five is Matthew Vaughn. Matthew Vaughn's incredible, I think, for the career that he's had so far. He's given us Kick-Ass, the first one. Oh, okay, good He's given us X-Men First Class, which to some people could be the best X-Men movie yep. in the whole franchise. It's up there. Right? Uh, Kingsman, which is awesome. Oh, we raved about that at our year review. That's such it, a it's, great it's film. It's a great movie, right? Yeah. And he's doing the sequel? He's doing the sequel, yeah. And I think yeah. Channing Tatum's in there. He is. Ooh. Yeah. And then he gave us Eddie the Eagle. Uh, really? Recently, which is a great movie, too, with uh, Hugh Jackman again, uh-huh. uh, Edgerton, which also was in Kingsman. Okay. Right? So, uh, I have, I have a great. bone to pick with Eddie the Eagle. Really? Yes. Okay, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, okay. But, so the, <laughs> the movie takes place during the 88 Calgary Olympics. Yes. As you know, we're all from Calgary. Yeah. But why did they film it in Germany or Switzerland? Like, that looks nothing like Calgary. Cost, probably. Uh, must, have been, <laughs> must have been the cost. Yeah. And maybe with the construction that they've been doing over at CLP, maybe maybe that would be No, Troy, no, no. I'm just going to bad mouth them. I don't want any... I, it, it was a rhetorical question. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think Matthew Vaughn is great. Um, he has his own little spin. You know, he has some really great shots, even in Eddie the Eagle. I mean, just yeah. seeing the guy go off the lift there, I'm just like, that's a cool-looking shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, X-Men First Class, I think everybody loved yeah. that movie. Is, is, yeah. is the right step in the, uh, the franchise again, right? Saved Coming it. off of Yeah, it's, it's the savior. And he, and he worked with a pretty good budget. I don't think the budget was that high, because a lot yeah. of the characters, besides Jennifer Lawrence and McAvoy... Weren't really that well known. Even I mean, those two, even those Bender, two at the time, Fassbender wasn't as big as he is now. Yeah, right. So. I think the biggest one was probably January Jones because she was on that TV show. Like I, there was like no one that was like a huge name. Yeah. So that was cool, and it's a great setting too. I think it took place in the sixties then. Yeah, yeah. So that's cool, and it's also with what he had to do. I mean, there's there's rumors that we're gonna get you know an X Men Origins um, Magneto movie. Yeah. So he kind of took that and put it in there. With an X Men first class, so such a great beginning to yeah. X Men film. That's my favorite uh, opening sequence in X Men film when Magneto's just mowing through the camp. Especially for him to act upon it, because we already kind of got that scene before in the previous X Men movie, the first one, right? Yeah. So he kind of acted on it and gave us more. So uh, I would love to see this guy uh, do uh, a Teen Titans oh, because he can work with such a well ensemble. He yeah. can work with kids. I think if he had um, Teen Titans or just Titans. Yeah. I'd be fully on board. Or even a new Avengers. I just don't think they'll ever do a new Avengers in this universe. But again, I think you can work with like Young Avengers. Kind of, sorry, Young Avengers. Yeah, that's yeah. New Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> young Avengers. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that's my number five there, Matthew Vaughn. Awesome. Good pick. Thanks. All right, my number five right here, I got Robert Zemeckis. Oh. So he did Back to the Future trilogy. Oh. Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh. Wow. Forrest Gump. Whoa. Contact. So, <laughs> they're not all great movies. <laughs> no, Contact's not bad. I mean, Jodie Foster was pretty good in it. Yeah, all these directors have hit and misses, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. So kind of, I got M. Night Shyamalan, so yeah. what am I going to talk? Yeah. So, he was one of the early movers on film effects. So, you go back and look. And hidden gem for this guy, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. I yeah. love that movie. Classic. Yes. Right? So good. And going back to the Back to the Future trilogy is one of my favorite trilogies. I absolutely love those movies. And the ground he broke with going to the future and back to the old west doing a period piece. Yes. And so yeah. he's able to span and it what seemed like multiple genres. So we had a kind of a sci-fi 
a period piece in the 50s and a period piece in the old west yeah i thought that was always a fantastic way to take two characters that you that i really loved yeah and put them in different settings and i thought the flexibility and the range that he had to make movies in those different genres with those similar characters yeah. and make them work across kind of a broad spanning single story almost yeah. right yeah. His recent foray into these more CGI-dominated movies like The Wolf and Christmas Carol and these type of movies, I haven't been a real fan of his recent work. I'm a yeah. big fan of his old work. Right. Yeah. Um, but the stuff that he's done and, and kind of shifting from almost these heavily effects-driven movies into movies like Forrest Gump, right. which yeah. is one of my favorite dramatic movies of all time. Right. And the way that he is able to integrate the Vietnam War and the different settings that he goes through. And Elvis. Elvis, yeah. all of that. Spoilers. I love, I love if you haven't seen that now, it came out in 94. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love the way he integrated the real life events into that movie and made it seem real. That's one movie I continually go back and revisit. If nice. that's on TV, mm-hmm. I watch it. Right. I yeah. absolutely love that movie. Yeah, he has a great vision. Yes. You know, yeah. uh, him bringing that back to the future, the future that he portrayed to us, we all, even to this day, are waiting for like yeah. the hoverboard. Yeah. Still, yeah. shoes, yeah. anything. Yeah. You know, the jacket. Yeah. I love his vision, right? <laughs> the Cubs oh, to yeah. win the World Series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah It'll happen fantastic. one of these days. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's my favorite one. Oh, okay, yes. is, is yeah. Back to Future Part 2. Yes. I always like that futuristic look. Love I know it. we've passed the date now. Yeah. October 2015. Yeah. Came and went. Still yeah. no hoverboard. <laughs> yeah. Still didn't see Doc Brown. No <laughs> DeLorean. And, you know, I have a big connection to that, too, because me and my dad, that's one of, that's, those three movies are like our movies. So nice. it's like I go home and we watch together. Nice. nice. And so I'd love to see this guy do as far as a combo movie, X-Men oh. with Cable. Oh, oh yeah. Nice. yeah. So you kind of integrate some of that, the visual effects of the X-Men, yeah. Yeah. but also a bit of the time travel, this concept of, of projecting yourself maybe into a dystopian future oh. or a different type of future. I just kind of like that concept. I know that's kind of hinging on my three favorite movies of his being yeah. time travel yeah. movies. Yeah. But at the same time, he has the effects driven kind of background. His ability to do some slightly more dramatic things. Nice. You're not going to get a Forrest Gump dramatic <laughs> in the X Men yeah. movie, yeah. but I thought yeah. that would kind of fit real well. Nice, nice. that'd be cool. Like that. yeah. Have Biff play Cable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, awesome. Sunjay, number four. Um, number four, I have the one, the only, the grandfather of the zombie film, Mr. George A. Romero. So before him, you know, zombie films were more confined to that Haitian voodoo of, you know, they bring back one person from the dead and they turn him into a zombie slave. He changed all that. Without him, we don't have Walking Dead. We don't have World War Z. We don't have this zombie explosion that we have today. So everybody who's into zombies owes this guy a thank you. He reinvented the zombie film, starting with the zombie apocalypse with Night of the Living Dead, a super low-budget, black-and-white zombie film where he came up with this brilliant idea. Instead of bringing one person back from the dead, what if all the dead came back and they had this zombie apocalypse of this confined space, they're in a farmhouse, and then this all the zombies, all the dead just rise and attack. And it's just such a great horror film, and it's got... It's just exploded in recent years, zombie zombieism. I'm gonna call it. I'm coining a term, zombieism. Nice, like that. Um, you know, he followed that up with what is my favorite George A. Romero film, Dawn of the Dead. In my opinion, it's the greatest zombie thing ever done, movie, TV show. I love The Walking Dead, but Dawn of the Dead, the original, blows it out of the water. Um, Zack Snyder actually remade the Dawn of the Dead, and he did a pretty good job, but it's not quite as good as the original. He did a movie. 
Zack Snyder? Yeah. Yeah, he did uh, Dawn of the Dead, the remake. Okay. Um, you know, I was at the comic uh, Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo, and Max Brooks was there. He wrote World War Z, the uh, book. And I asked him that question. I said, you know, which Dawn of the Dead do you prefer, the original or the remake? And he looked at me and he said, I'm in the DVD commentary of the remake. And even I think the original is far superior. Wow. Yeah. So that just goes to show... The amount of love this film gets. It has... Did he whisper that to you, or did he? Oh no, he he, he would stand. Oh, he would stand on the table and yeah. tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this film had deals with social issues like consumerism, and it's so much, um, it's so poignant. It uh, deals with social commentary. It's just, and it's such a fun, fun movie. I mean, we talk about horror films. How can you be? How can it be fun? Well, you know, they have this mall all to themselves, and. Ever since I saw that film, I thought, wow, wouldn't that be so cool if you could just have an entire mall all to yourself? Right. I'm a pretty materialistic person. You know, I'm a material girl, I'm going to admit it, but uh, I don't care. You know, this film, you know, he kind of he kind of talks about consumerism and that, all that stuff. And, um, and then he rounds out the greatest trilogy, in my opinion, until The Dark Knight came along with Day of the Dead, which came out in the 80s, and it was a little bit more budget. $5 million, if you can believe, was like a big budget for him. <laughs> so, you know, he does all these low-budget horror films, smaller horror films. But he doesn't just do zombie films. He did um, The Crazies. You might have remembered the remake of that. Um, he did the original, and they remade it, and he was a producer on that, which was a really good um, uh, horror film. And then he also worked with uh, the great Stephen King doing a movie called Creepshow, which is a horror on- anthology where I think it's about four or five kind of like horror stories that um, combine into one giant movie. You know, his style is he uses social commentary in his films and he likes to build up suspense and he's definitely mostly horror. I don't know too many other films of his that he did that don't involve horror. The thing is, you know, it's funny. It's like, oh, what comic book movie would he do? And the obvious answer is The Walking Dead. But that no, he is not a big fan of The Walking Dead. <laughs> and I know. I remember in uh, the Calgary Comic Entertainment Expo. I think uh, Tim wasn't that the first year you were there. You were working that, weren't you? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, and uh, so you were there, and uh, he said, you know, The Walking Dead is more of a soap opera to him. So he's not a big fan of it. So I was like, okay, I don't want, I don't want him in there. So if he could direct a comic book movie, I would say something, you know, going really old school, Tales from the Crypt. You know Ooh. that horror comic back in the day? Yeah. So, you know, the TV show yeah. the cartoon. Wasn't Loved that it. such a good show? Oh, yeah. Skip that. They- <laughs> <laughs> uh, my hidden gem for you guys, because, you know, I feel like some of the effects of Dawn of the Dead may be a little bit dated nowadays. I mean, the film came out in the 70s, so I would suggest Diary of the Dead. So this was made in 2008. It's a more modern zombie apocalypse film. The story takes place. It's kind of like found footage. Where it's the guy who's making a small, low-budget movie, kind of like Romero himself, and then the zombie apocalypse happens. So the whole thing is shot on like the shaky cam kind of thing. So oh. kind of like a uh, what you call a Cloverfield or and, and uh, Chronicle. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's the second of his three uh, modern zombie film trilogy. Others are Land of the Dead and Survival of the Dead. Yeah, so I highly recommend this guy. He's so influential. Everyone who's in the zombie now. Um, Simon Pegg with Shaun of the Dead, he was kind of nervous and he actually showed George A. Romero the film before because he wanted to see and get his approval. And George A. Romero loved Shaun of the Dead. So it just goes to show the kind of clout that this guy has in terms of zombieism. Yeah. So have you guys checked out any of Romero's films? I'm familiar with uh, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, Dawn yeah, of the Dead. Yeah. yeah. I'm familiar oh, okay. With them. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, that's, that's really about it that yeah, I've seen of his. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I highly recommend checking him out. I mean, it's not 
too scary. Like, you know, I know you guys aren't really too big into horror, mm-hmm. but I mean, look at Night of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead, um, Day of the Dead. It's just more kind of actiony yeah. compared to today's like standards. Like twenty eight days later and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, They're a little more upbeat. Eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, twenty eight days later is still scary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and twenty eight yeah. weeks too. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, but yeah, check him out. Um, he does like he did a zomb or a vampire film called Martin, which he said is his favorite um movie. But it's so hard to get a hold of because all these movies are low budget and low circulation. So like if you go on Amazon and selling for like 200 bucks or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, unless you can find it cheap, it's going to be hard to get a hold of, but yeah. the zombie films are super easy to get a hold of. And I highly recommend if you're into walking dead, if anyone out there is into walking dead, which I assume if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are check out this stuff and you'll probably enjoy it more. That's all I'm going to say. I, and I love the walking dead, but this stuff I think is far superior. That's it's nice. Fair. Cool, man. Uh, rocking into number four, I'm going to go with my man, Ben Affleck. Badfleck. Yeah, so wow. say what you want about his acting. This guy's <laughs> giving us Argo, Gone Baby Gone, and The Town. He's, wow. He's great stuff. He's three great for three? Stuff. Yeah, Gone Baby Gone, uh, going back to M. Lake Shyamalan. Yeah, uh, if you like a twist, you got. Like, have you guys seen this movie? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like the twist in there is just is great too. Mm-hmm. Um, and and unlike George Lucas, I feel like Ben Affleck is kind of like a an, uh, an actor's director. He gets he pulls great performances out of the people he's working with. Oh yeah. So yeah, I I love all those movies. I mean, Argo's won awards. They've all won awards. So mm-hmm. the town was pretty cool. Uh, I set like in Boston. That. I like that right? one. Yeah. I, I love that Boston feel. Yeah. And again, you know, him coming from Boston, he captures the feel of what's going on there. So oh, yeah. Um, I mean, self-explanatory. I like to see him do Batman. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the Batman, and like I wanted yeah. like a dark, slow kind of burn Batman that's very detective based. Yeah, you know. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Something like the town where they're trying to like solve the crime and stuff. Well, more even with like a quarter of owls. That's what oh, I really yeah. want. I want a quarter of owls with a nice twist in there, and mm-hmm. that's 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 the movie we need. I think for Batman, <laughs> it's not for the sure. movie we deserve, but the movie we need right <laughs> yes, now. Yes. Well said, uh, yeah. Troy. What's your favorite Ben Affleck film? And you actually didn't mention your favorite Matthew Vaughn film. I didn't, right? Uh, oh, Matthew jerk. Vaughn. I'm, oh man, gotta I pick one. I gotta pick one. Kingsman. Kingsman. Okay, good choice. Kingsman was damn good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, ben Affleck's uh, Gone Baby Gone. Yeah, love that movie. Nice. Yeah. Great nice. cast in there too. He even cast uh, Casey Affleck, his brother. Yeah. Right? yeah, nepotism is not a thing in Hollywood, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he totally would have got that role if he wasn't his brother. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, man. My number four. Yeah, the Russo brothers. Oh, that's close. That's I knew close it. I mine. knew it. I knew nice. it. Nice. You know, these guys have a very limited filmography. They do. Yeah. They, uh, you, me, and Dupree is on there. Yeah. Love um, that film. They did a lot of TV. Community. Community. Fantastic stuff. Yeah. Amazing show. But the fact that they both produce. Two of the greatest comic book movies of all time. Yes. With That's why they're sitting on this list for me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Winter Soldier and Civil War. Yeah, and more to come. And yes. Infinity War is on the horizon. Mm-hmm. And I'm really looking forward to these guys. Now, the next films that these guys do outside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I will definitely be checking oh, out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they've, they've shown that they can capture action. They can direct ensembles. Yeah, sure. They can give character pieces to individuals as we go through. We've seen Black Widow in particular grow a lot in these movies. Yeah. yeah. More so than we see her grow in Avengers and, and any other movie she's been in, Iron Man. Yeah. And yeah. the introduction of Black Panther was spot on Ooh, in this movie. So good. spider man Yes. Yes. And the fact that they're able to integrate some of the biggest characters and coming off the back of Age of Ultron where you had kind of a set dynamic so they were given that 
on a plate and they said, here, you have to work with this now. Yeah. You know, we, we've introduced these characters here. Yeah. And they were able to take that and evolve those characters into more likable characters, I think. Scarlet Witch, I think, really benefited for having mm-hmm. them helmed that movie. Yeah. And as far as her development. Her even accent. <laughs> yeah. They kind of, yeah, really toned down on that, eh? Oh, yeah. And you look at the Russo brothers, who they've introduced to the cinematic universe. You've got Sam Wilson. You've got Bucky. Black Panther. Bucky in a big way. Yeah. Yep. And even giving, like I said, more to Black Widow to do. So I'm really mm-hmm. looking forward to see what these guys do in the future. Yeah, and my favorite movie is definitely Civil War from these yeah. guys. Yeah. So yeah. good. So and good. I'd really like them to take on Sam Wilson, Captain America. Oh. oh. They could totally do that, right? Yeah. So they, yes. you, you'll have a similar feel to what you have with Captain America. And I think because they've been doing the Captain America movies, yeah. I think they that's kind of where I'm coming from on that angle. And they've developed Sam Wilson a lot in yeah. this. Yeah. But I think they have the ability to skew the genre a little bit, skew those movies a little bit, and come into something that is a little different than what we're doing with kind of more of your, I'm going to say, Boy Scouty Captain America. And yeah. kind of yeah. you know leverage off the talent that is Anthony Mackie yeah. and produce something that is... Equally as good as a Winter Soldier, yeah. but using Sam Wilson as yeah. your your key protagonist in the film nice. and having more of a solo film, maybe with a couple supporting characters. And touch on the same kind of social issues that the comics doing exactly. Oh, they could totally good. do that. Yeah, right? huge because yeah, that's yeah. a big thing in the the comics right now. Yeah. We've talked about this. Is is and it's same with what I think they're going to touch on in Luke Cage. Is yeah. is the big social issues that's happening in the states right now. And, yeah, and leveraging off of that, I yeah. think they could really play into that because. You know, Winter Soldier was again playing into this idea of espionage, right. kind of the state of the world as it is. Is this overarching protection? You know, do we need to to take out people? Do we need to almost minority report them? Right? Yeah. yeah. And oh, man, the twist that they had in there, and they could do something. I think, yeah, it's it's they're the right guys to do something like a Sam Wilson. I think. Absolutely agree. That's a great choice. All right, number three, maybe a little uh, out of the blue, maybe, maybe not. Kevin Smith. So cool. one of the earliest directors to wave that geek flag in Hollywood. Kevin Smith is the king of the sharp, the witty dialogue. He got a start, you know, he's a comic book fan. And he sold his comic book collection to fund the movie Clerks. The first film he ever did. Uh, he went to film school in Vancouver and he dropped out and uh, made this film. So it cost $27,000 to make the movie. And went on to make over $3 million dollars. So it was a huge hit for Miramax. I mean, that's a huge return for a $27,000 investment. So this is, you know, Kevin Smith, his rise to um, stardom and his rise to Hollywood. It's part of the reason why I'm not all in favor of digital media like Netflix and stuff taking over Blockbuster. Because in today's world, I don't know if a Kevin Smith would be able to prosper. And you have like a film that's super low budget that kind of gets this word of mouth spread about it. And then people end up buying it in stores and renting it. You know, if you make a low-budget movie nowadays, you sell it to Netflix, how much do they pay you? Probably not a lot. I'm, I think I've heard like 30000 banning about. And then with so many people like not buying movies, you know, his film probably wouldn't have taken off. Like if he released Clerks today, it probably wouldn't have taken off as it did back in 94, I'd say. You don't think social media and all that and the ability to digitally kind of send this to friends, send this to whomever would weigh in on that more? I think more so than... I think Clerks, if it came out today, if it had the same sort of cultural reception, mm-hmm. you'd maybe move around the internet quite quickly. But I think it would move around the internet for free. Like, we yeah, would, if you're talking about yeah, pure profit, maybe. Yeah, like yeah. in terms of profit, maybe like that is a good idea, good uh, point that you bring, is that maybe more people would see it nowadays, but they wouldn't necessarily pay for it. So do we know if that would, I mean, translate? I don't know. Yeah, was that, was that movie made to make money, obviously, for him, but it was more to get him on the map. 
I would think. Uh, I think he said like this was he thought this was the only film he's ever going to do. Uh-huh. And so that's why he's in the film. He's like, if this is the only film I'm ever going to make, oh. I'm going to put myself in the film so when I'm like 60, I can look back and be like, look, kids, I was in a movie. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. why he. That's why he's Silent Bob because he's like, I can't act. So <laughs> but he's been in a couple of like movies. He was in uh, Daredevil, the movie. Oh, was he? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So maybe he's he'll a... make an appearance in Ben Affleck's Batman. Die Hard 4. Oh, yeah. I think he's in that too for he some is. reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> random. So he had Clerks. Great film. And then he followed that up with uh, Mallrats. And I think it's such an underrated film. It's a fun look back at 90s culture, especially when you look back today. I mean, who doesn't remember as a kid going to the mall and just killing a whole afternoon at the ball? The film starts, you know, he's playing Sega Genesis, NHL 94. So iconic. I think he's even playing like the Hartford Whalers who aren't even a team anymore. So it's just, you know, it's (laughs) 90s. It's a time capsule of 90s life. I mean, obviously it's played up, but Stan Lee makes a cameo in Mallrats, so that's pretty cool nice. too. You know, yeah. He started the Stan he started the Stan Lee cameo, nice. yeah, the Watcher. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Mostly a comedy writer, he focuses on like the problems of youth and society. But my favorite film of his, Chasing Amy, the only good movie about Ben Affleck chasing a lesbian. Take that, Geely. <laughs> <laughs> Chasing Amy, a great romantic comedy writer. Ben Affleck plays a comic book writer who falls in love with another comic book writer who happens to be a lesbian, played by his then-girlfriend, Joey Lauren Adams. I think she was in some Adam Sandler movie, uh, Big Daddy. She's She's been around a couple films. She doesn't do much anymore, but I think she's coming back for the Mallrats sequel. So look out for that. This is a true masterpiece. Uh, the Criterion Co- Collection actually re-released this film, saying you know it's so important to um, cinema. It's a movie you can watch with your wife or girlfriend, and someone else will get something out of it. Like it is pretty, pretty raunchy, but that's what you expect from Kevin S- Smith. But he has that great, great, memorable speech about chasing Amy when Silent Bob finally speaks. You just YouTube that speech, and then you'll want to see the rest of the movie. Also recommend watching his kind of stand-up comedy routines called An Evening with Kevin Smith. He's released a couple of them, and where he goes around college campuses and he answers questions. And that's when he first talked about when he wrote the script for Superman Lives, and then his feud with uh, Tim Burton that came from it. So he has a lot of cool stories, a lot of cool inside stories. If he were to do a comic book movie, for sure, for sure, for sure, Green Arrow. He gave us that uh, great run on Green Arrow, can't say enough about that. I mean, that's legendary. That's probably one of the best Green Arrow runs we've had. And he has been on, I think, Flash and Supergirl. And he's so directed... Right Flash episode, I think, too. Or yeah, direct, or he yeah, he, direct yeah he directed one. Yeah. I think he's going to write one. And he's directing a Supergirl episode, uh, appropriately named Supergirl Lives. Nice. Yeah, nice. so that's a nice uh, callback. Yeah, she lives on the CW. Yeah, nice. yeah, that's right, Supergirl. I have to see that show. I've seen one episode, and I actually pretty liked it. Yeah. Um, a hidden gem for him is Jersey Girl. Featuring the first meeting between Batman and Deadshot, with Ben Affleck and Will Smith as a small cameo in it. It's the only good Benefer movie. Take that, Geely, again. I nailed you twice. Yeah. Come on, like Geely? <laughs> too, too old of a reference? All right. Well, I hear you. Yeah, it's a touching story about a man who loses his wife during childbirth, and then he's forced in to move in with his dad, played by the late, great George Carlin. So this really showcases Smith's ability to write comedy. Uh, it's a romantic comedy with Ben Affleck falling in love with Liv Tyler again. So, you know, with all three of us, you know, we're all fathers to young daughters. You know, this, this movie will tug at your heartstrings. And, you know, watch it with your wife. Bring the Kleenex box because you're going to need it. It's a tearjerker. Critics hated this film. 
I never understood why. I think this film is funny. It has heart. It's romantic. Can't say enough good things. Um, he's a really good romantic writer. And then, you know, you know me, I'm a horror guy. He started getting into horror with Red State and Tusk. Those films are pretty good. And, you know, his new movie, uh, Yoga Hoser, is about a guy who's trying to turn everyone into sausages. <laughs> so it's pretty ridiculous, but I'm sure it'll be Kevin Smith schlock and fun. And I love Kevin Smith's films. Obviously, he's number three. He's one of three people, or he's one of three directors where I own every single one of their movies. But, uh, yeah, and, um, you know, he's kind of, he's the king of podcasting, I think, with his Fat Man on Batman is one of my favorite podcasts. Check it out after you check out this one. And, you know, he's part of the inspiration why I wanted to get into podcasting. And, you know, so you could say, you know, if it wasn't for him, I would not be here today. So for that, Kevin Smith, I salute you. Cool. Rocking into number three, Christopher Nolan. That's who I'm going with for director. What can I say? This guy's given us the Batman trilogy. He's given us Inception, the Prestige, the Memento. The list goes on. This guy's great. You know, he's phenomenal. My top movie of his, I I mean, I love the Batman trilogy, obviously, but I'm yeah. also going to go with the Prestige. I think Prestige oh, is, love is that an film. incredible movie. Yes. You know, Christian Bale's phenomenal and Hugh Jackman's great. Batman vs. Wolverine with Black Widow and yeah. Alfred? Yeah. And David Bowie? Jeez. Yeah. yeah Stardust. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Um, I don't know who I'd have him uh, direct. Maybe a Daredevil if we didn't have him on the Netflix already. No. I would say one. maybe Daredevil. A cool kind of thing I also thought of is maybe a Bishop uh, oh, solo yeah. project. Him That'd in the future. Cool. Taking on the Sentinel, but just like a slow kind of paced Christopher yeah. Nolan movie. So, nice. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Right. right on. So I got J.J. Abrams. Nice. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I thought he'd make an appearance. Yeah. So he's he's an interesting guy because he started on TV, again, yeah. like the Russo brothers. Yeah. His filmography isn't that deep. Give and us Lost. Yes, he did. Yeah, that's, that's right. So good. I love that. It's the first Probably. part of it. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> but he really has this ability to capture nostalgia. So he's able to project you into a film while you're watching it, and it makes you feel like you're watching something that you remember, right? Mm -hmm. So you like watch Star Wars or Star Trek or even something like Super 8, yeah. and it's really trying to capture something that puts you in that mindset. It's like Super 8 to me was E.T. or, or Goonies or something yes. like that, right? Yeah. Where it kind of projects you back into the A's and says, you know, this is how you remember watching E.T. And so yeah. that's the feeling I got with Star Wars in particular. It's like... Every note he hit, the, the score, cinematography right. of it, the story even, and again, it was hitting similar beats, but yeah. at the same time, I felt like I was watching a Star Wars movie the first time again, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And so I absolutely loved that, that about him. And what could he do next? Like, this guy's done <laughs> the biggest movie of all time, right. or in recent memory, the biggest domestic movie. Yeah. yeah. And I'd love for him to continue into the Star Wars world, but I like that they're kind of tweaking that and doing different directors for each movie to give us yeah. a different flavor, different sense for each individual episode as the story evolves we're not kind of getting these repeat of stories exactly yeah I really struggled with him here yeah because I had the, my next director I have the movie that I originally had that I'd like to see J.J. Evans do but the obvious choice here for him is a Green Lantern Corps oh. right? it's it's taking a franchise that is in desperate need of a reboot and yes. this guy's done this twice right he's taken Star Trek and put it in a different direction mm -hmm. while keeping the main fan base yep. Yep. to a degree and Star Wars, the same thing. So could he do the same thing with a Green Lantern's Corp? And I think so. I think you really need to tone down what they had from Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. And I think yeah. he could do that. But I don't like pigeonholing him into this concept that he only does 
sci-fi or space fantasy or yeah. something like that. And that's why I really struggled with this. I, I didn't really want to say Green Lantern's Court, but I couldn't really come up with anything else that I think he would be you know, really serviceable towards. So I'm going to stick with Green Lantern. I needed a DC like movie in there. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice, that. nice. Good, nice. good. All right, so my number two is controversy, but you know me. I'm going with the Nickelback of Hollywood, Zack the Hack Snyder. (laughs) (laughs) The most underrated director of our time. I'm a true Snyder fanboy, just like Kubrick. You know how some of his films were not appreciated when he was alive? I feel like the same thing is going to apply to Snyder. We're going to go look back and be like, you know what, Snyder guy? He's actually pretty good. I don't know why we all shot on him. You know, start, starting in horror, as we said, Dawn of the Dead, the remake. It's my hidden gem. Check it out. It's the best Romero remake. It's not as good as the original, but it's still pretty good. So give it a go. And then he brought his, you know, his certain style. You know this is a Zack Snyder film. You got that color filter. You got great action scenes. You got a slow motion. Slow yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which he perfected in 300. Yes. His breakout film. No denying, you know, there's a lack of story, but the action is amazing. Another Schneiderism is that he has his actors really work out and look the part. Mm. You look at 300, you look at Gerald Butler, just jacked to the nines. You look at Man of Steel, you see Henry Cavill, just him getting bigger and bigger as his films go along. Ben Affleck has never looked bigger. And I, I like that. I like that he takes, you know, it's more than just throwing in like a scrawny guy and being like, okay, you defeat 3,000 Persians. No. You, you know, you look, the people looked like Spartans and who hasn't before they've tried to lift a heavy weight at the gym be like, this is Sparta. <laughs> Say it every time I try to pump, you know, he, and he's also known for his longer director cuts. You know, we get, we saw that with Watchmen and you can go check out. I think there's like a three and a half hour version of Watchmen, which is great if you have the time for it. And he gave us a uh, Batman v Superman. Uh, I'm not going to talk about that film because we've talked about it. More than enough. Uh, Man of Steel, again, not going to talk about that. We've talked about that more than enough. Uh, my favorite Zack Snyder film I'm going to go with is uh, Batman vs. Superman. Again, talked about that more than enough. I think it is a lot deeper than people get credit for, but again, that's the story for another day. And I'm excited to see him helm Justice League. I can't wait for that. You know, obviously, seeing him doing action scenes involving Flash, Aquaman, Cyborg. Uh, if I had to pick him to do another film, I'm going to say for him to do a Marvel film... I'll say Squadron Supreme. That's kind of a cop out, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> Marvel's Justice yeah. League. Yeah. Second time's a charm. Yeah. <laughs> oh. We'll all right. All right. <laughs> I want him to do Spider Man just so Troy would just get so angry. Oh, no. I would love that. <laughs> just have Spider Man do something really dark and just Troy leave. You know, as I said, it's part of the reason why you know I love him is you can just tell immediately. You see him, boom! It's a Zack Snyder film. Yeah. You know what you're gonna get. And more often than not, I think it's good stuff. Again, I own all his films. I've yet to see Sucker Punch and Guardians of Ga'ul, but I will get to them eventually. And there's actually, I have the extended cut of Sucker Punch. So, uh, yeah, we've talked enough about Snyder, so I won't ask you if you've seen any of his films because I know you have. Troisky, number two. Yeah, going to number two, the man himself, Martin Scorsese. Oh, great pick. He, he could have easily been on top of my list. He's incredible. Maybe he is on top of my list. Um, <laughs> he's the best. Um, you want comedy? Wolf of Wall Street. You want a gangster flick? Goodfellas, Casino. Uh, kids flick? Hugo. And if you want a cop movie? Departed. Like, Such what a can great this guy film. not do? Yeah. He's, he's incredible. Yeah, his movies are a little longer, but I never feel like they're long. You yeah. Know? So uh, he's just phenomenal. Mm. Uh, my favorite movie would be Goodfellas, because that's probably my favorite movie of all time. Nice. So, 
Goodfellas is up there. You know, I couldn't see this guy ever doing a superhero <laughs> movie or anything like that. Tough. So I think he'd have to do a villain movie. And fortunately, David Ayer did Suicide Squad because I said I think he could really do a cool oh, take on those guys yeah. and, and really have them bad. Maybe Sinister Six, but I guess they're just too bright of characters yeah. Yeah. to pull off. So I, I'd have to go to maybe a Suicide Squad of some sort or or something. I really don't know what I could put him behind. I think he'd be good in something a little bit more obscure, but like a Dick Tracy or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, oh, yeah, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. The Shadow, maybe. Yeah. Oh, the, the Shadow. shadow. Bring back yeah. the Shadow. Yeah. 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 So, uh, Scorsese, yeah, he's the man. My number two on this list. Yeah. Troy, I'm going to echo your thoughts here on Christopher Nolan. Nice. Oh. Uh, so, we're not going to reiterate anything that we talked about, yeah. but he's a fantastic director. I find his earlier stuff great. His kind of middle of his filmography also awesome. That's where you're getting Dark Knight Inception and that. Yeah. I found that Interstellar was a bit of a misstep for him. Yeah. Yeah. Dunkirk, I'm really looking forward to. Yes, mm-hmm. So, I'm really looking forward to him to delving into World War II. Yes. Yeah. So, that's going to be incredible. And. My comic book movie that I'd love to see him yeah. do, Fantastic Four. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, wow. interesting. So I was, it was between him and Abrams to do a Fantastic yeah. Four. Yeah. But Christopher Nolan, I think, you know, looking at the good parts of Interstellar yeah. and the grounding he did of Batman and the ability to kind of meld in a universe like Inception. Yeah. yeah. I think that he could really capture the essence of a Fantastic Four. Cool. Something going and harkening way back to the early 60s comics where yes. you have space exploration, yeah. other dimensions, monsters, monsters yeah. Yeah. that type of movie. Cool. And we haven't really seen anything like that from Fantastic Four. No. no. And even, you know, bringing down the tone a bit to yeah. something that's not as bright as, say, the <laughs> first two, yeah. but something that makes a lot more sense than what we just got. <laughs> yeah. So you have them off world without the whole movie kind of interdimensional maybe something and kind of playing with your mind a bit like they do in inception like they do with interstellar yeah and it's kind of you know breaking those walls down and you know reed richard's supposed to be this really intelligent guy and he needs to see something different yeah you know going in and even you know do you bring in the scrolls or do you bring in annihilus or that man or something like that right so it's 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 kind of doing something different but also kind of playing with the ideas that he's had in these in his other movies, so yeah. using those mm-hmm. concepts and kind of developing them into a fantastic form. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Bring in Herbie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an action figure coming actually. Really? Yeah. Oh, I got to get that. <laughs> really? That's really cool. Yeah, I, I love to see that. Yeah. yeah, good call. That's a good one. Yeah. Right, number one. <laughs> number one, uh, the guy we just talked about, Christopher Nolan. Yeah. So, uh, in my opinion, my favorite director. Of all time, I think he's the best in history. I'm not going to reiterate some of the stuff Tim and uh, Troy have already touched on, but one of the few directors where all their movies are certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. The only director where I not only own, but I've watched every single one of his movies, starting with Following, the uh, super low budget uh, film that he did, and uh, that got him into Memento, and then from there, Insomnia, and then, you know, as we said, Warner Brothers took a huge gamble on him. The one thing I love about Nolan is his villains are always so well portrayed. Yes. I mean, that's something that's lacking, I think, this year in every single comic book movie. You had Raja Ghoul, Scarecrow, Joker, Bane. I think those are four of the best villain portrayals in a comic book film we've ever had. Yeah. Everyone remembers Ledger's Joker, but Dark Knight is just a masterclass film. People argue it's the greatest comic book movie of all time. And yeah, I mean, a hidden gem I have is The Prestige, as Troy talked yeah, about. Nice. The Dueling Magicians. Yes. One of the lowest rated for critics for some reason, and audiences didn't really take to it when it came out, so it's not that big of a hit. Mm-hmm. But if you ever get a chance, check it out. It's a great film. 
Um, Interstellar? No, I felt it was good. It's my least favorite Christopher Nolan film, but it's still Christopher Nolan film, so it's still good. Yeah. You know, as I said, sitting down to watch all nine of his films, I think would be the ultimate film experience, and I really hope to do that one day. I mean, if I were to give him a movie to do, I mean, go a little bit, a little bit off the board, and I would say Wolverine. I'd love to see his take on Wolverine. Old Man Logan? Yeah, Old Man Logan, yeah. And, uh... You know, honestly, you could give the man anything. Give him Dazzler, give him Plastic Man, and watch him crank out one of the best comic book movies of all time. <laughs> nice. So I am out with mine and in with Troisky. Cool. Number one, I'm going with Alejandro Inaratu. Oh. This guy's just incredible. I believe he's the first director ever to win two Oscars back-to-back, wow. year one, year two. Uh, Birdman, Revenant. Um, he also did uh, Babel. So um, ah. Birdman was really cool because he had the continuous shot throughout the whole yeah, movie. Yeah, really different. He didn't do it the whole time, but as a viewer, you look at it like this is just one big movie. Yeah. Um, just incredible. There's humor in there. There's realism. Uh, the cinematography is great. This cool score. Yeah. Great characters that you love. Edward Norton did a hell of a job in that movie too. Yeah, The Revenant. The Revenant was great. Shot mm-hmm. right in our backyard. That's Dougie, right. Right. Um, so that was cool. Leo finally got that Oscar for that <laughs> one. Uh, I just love that winter kind of look going on through that movie. Just yeah, looked fantastic. Uh, what movie could this guy do? Sorry, my my favorite movie of his is is Birdman. Okay, love yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, what superhero movie could this guy do? I don't know. I never thought of that one. Everything I've been doing has kind of been off the spot. <laughs> right now, so I don't know. Maybe I'll let it marinate. I'll let you guys finish off okay. yours. And, I'll think of something there. But yeah, Alejandro Inaratu, he's, he's great. Nice. Yeah. All right. Timski. Number one here, I've got Steven Spielberg. I thought that's nice. what it would be. I thought so, yeah. yeah. This guy is a director that captured me at a super young age. <laughs> awesome. And I'm like from Jurassic Park, basically. Wearing the yeah. shirt. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's rocking that's it. That's wearing it. Yeah. It's, it's, he's a, the director that anytime his name's on a movie... And not so much recently, but in the past, it's like I'm seeing this, and it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's he's given us Jurassic Park, Jaws, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, <laughs> the Indiana Jones films, and wow. you know, even going into Saving Private Ryan's yeah. Band of yeah. Brothers. So, and he stepped Ooh. into kind of the the war theater mm-hmm. and the fantasy films that he's done, and he just, his filmography is enormous. Yes. Oh yeah, it's it's unreasonable how many good films <laughs> this man has done. You know, even look at Hook; they just had their twenty five year reu- yeah. or, they just had their twenty five year anniversary, right? Yeah, yeah. bangering. Yeah, yeah. bangering. <laughs> and you know, you, you walk through this, and yes, there's hit and misses, and some of his recent stuff has almost taken a turn to doing more darker political you know non-fiction movies BFG. You, you know, yeah <laughs> i'm looking that yeah, I'm, I'm excited for uh, player ready one yeah that's yeah. the next yeah. one that's gonna look yes. good so yeah that's a book and i've heard really good things about it yeah and baron's you know, been raving about that book he wants me to read it so baron if you're listening i'll read it for you yeah i will his hidden gem, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Nice. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. It dropped in 1977 at the end of the year, so after Star Wars came out. Cool. Star Wars was pegged to be the flop. Close Encounters was supposed to be the big sci-fi film of the year. Wow. And it reversed out. But wow. Close Encounters is still absolutely fantastic movie. Yeah. It's it's Spielberg at his best. Yeah. It feels like an 80s Spielberg movie. It nice. looks like one. It's got the same actors in it yeah. Jaws and all that. Nice. Cool. And go check that out if you have not seen that before. Yeah. And I'd like to see him. I'm going to go a little sideways with this for, yeah. for comic book movies. So there's a, a comic book that I read called Letter 44. Okay. And it's by Charles Soule. And yeah. it's produced by Ani Press. Yeah. It's about the, the 44th president that comes to office and he gets a letter from the 43rd. And it basically says, yeah, we have aliens. We found aliens. 
you got to deal with this now. Oh, <laughs> and so it's Come all of it's it's a fantastic cool. concept. Yeah. And I'd really like to see Spielberg not only leverage his sci-fi that he's done yeah. before, but also some of the more dramatic political takes on things. So he seems to have that you know genre-spanning uh, ability. I think he would really succeed at that. So oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's my number one. I'm looking That's forward to maybe nice. seeing Indiana Jones five from him. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. And uh, you know, this is another guy too. He seems to have his hands in everything. Oh, so, yeah. The one film <laughs> I really like that's kind of underrated from him is AI, artificial intelligence. Yeah. Mm. You know, it kind of flew under the radar. Kubrick, that was his uh, vision. And then when he died, Spielberg kind of picked it up and ran with it. Mm-hmm. Not really a big box office hit, but you know, I really enjoyed the film. And it's touching. And it's got great you know, science fiction. And it's a great futuristic film that showcases a lot of stuff that... You know, we, we uh, talked about in sci-fi about, like, you know, robots and um, their emotions and, you know, what it really means to be human. I can't say enough good things about Spielberg. He's changed the way we see movies. Um, you know, He's the inventor of the blockbuster with Jaws. That's yeah. right. That's what I was going to say. He, without him, we wouldn't be going to the movie theater as much, or we wouldn't be as afraid of sharks as we are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think he'll ever do a comic book movie? I mean, this guy's done everything. Mm. He doesn't really need to, but do you think he ever will? If he's done the BFG, then anything's possible. Oh. <laughs> not, not like anything, not, not like it's a diss or anything towards that, but I just think... No, it, take that, Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> the doors are open. I mean, he could do whatever he wants to do. Yeah, yeah he could. If yeah. he really wanted to, and someday maybe. Yeah. Is and, he uh, friends with Disney again? Because weren't they like like hashing out like a rivalry, and that's why he created uh, DreamWorks? Well, if he's doing Indiana Jones again, we must be. Oh, they yeah, must be in yeah, talking terms. So, be, you know, yeah. Marvel, maybe he'll do a Marvel film. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Um, I thought of one for Alejandro. Okay. Um, it's, it's a comic book, but it's not a superhero. But I'm going with Boba Fett. A Boba Fett movie. Okay. Uh, revenge story. Kind of set a little bit like Revenant. Yeah. Uh, kind of like a desert planet. We could do it off Tatooine. So it's maybe something like that. That's so my... Nice. Uh, that's Someone me, kills uh, Boba Fett's son and then... Well, uh, he, he made it out of the, out of the pit. Oh, the story and he, he wants out. revenge. The, uh, yeah. what you call it? The Lazarus Pit from Batman? No. no. <laughs> a little different. They're all chanting his name. Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Sarlacc Pit. Yeah. And then he has to like jump without the rope. <laughs> so the one that all three of us hit was Christopher Nolan. That's yeah. the only one. Cool. I'm really surprised at the diversity of yeah. directors. Yeah. for us. That's good. Yeah. So I'm surprised that no one said James Cameron. Uh, yeah. he's, he's close. I was uh, I was pretty close to the same James Cameron. and yeah. Titanic and Terminator. Uh, Terminator 2. Yeah, yeah. And even uh, Ridley Scott, I was kind of thinking of too. Yeah, he yeah. was on my list too. He could have made it. Yep. Um, he's making a comeback too, I think. Yeah, The Martian. The Martian yep. yeah, there's, there's a lot of good quality directors out there. And I'm happy to see too that we seem to have this new generation of directors coming up and helming these bigger movies. But also that studios seem to, in most part, with the exception of a couple allowing directors to to have their creative freedoms and produce and that then that seems to work yeah. right mm-hmm. uh, not always you know you get people that kind of go off in big tangents and that but yeah. at the same time i think that we do have a solid group of directors that are mm-hmm. continually to give us good quality movies yes. that we can depend on these guys right they have hits and misses once yeah. in a while but i think overall the directors that we've talked about and even expanding out to, to the the wider director audience and that but i at the end of the day it's 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 nice to see that we do have this breed of directors that are giving yeah. us something that we can look forward to yeah absolutely agree so that about wraps it up for us this week on the nerd room nice cool. little bow yes you can always find us on twitter our handles are at the end of the episode. We're on Facebook. We are now on YouTube That's as right. well. You'll see all our episodes popping up there yes. the same day that they drop 
on Podbean and iTunes. And go give us a rate and review there. Leave a comment. We're always willing and always wanting to hear your feedback to how we can improve the show and even integrate you into it as well. Yes, that's please right. do ask us questions on the hashtag. Yeah. Enter the nerd room. That's right. And remember to swipe right when you see us on Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> and with that... <laughs> It's been a pleasure talking directors are top movies and all that kind of neat shit. <laughs> For the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Sanjay. I'm Troy. And thank you for entering the Nerd Room. <laughs> we are out. Don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes. You can find our hosts, Tim, Sanjay, and Troy on Twitter at TheNerdRM1912Podcasting and Troy, the boy 87 <laughs>